0: Welcome to What the Risk, Exposing Business Blind Spots, an interview-based podcast series that discusses risk management topics. Have you ever been blindsided in a business situation? Think about your entire computer system going down, a supplier that cannot deliver, or your biggest customer declaring bankruptcy, or your new marketing strategy completely missing the mark. These are visceral what the risk moments. Your exact words may be different, but the feeling is the same. When everyone's eyes are focused on the next sale, high impact, low visibility risks often get overlooked. We call these blind spots, and these blind spots cause what the risk moments. I am your host, Larry Gordon of Gordon Risk Solutions. Join us on this journey as we learn to ask the right questions, expose potential pitfalls, and empower you to turn the what the risk moments into I've got this victories. Welcome to episode 109, the first season, ninth episode of the What the Risk podcast. This episode will cover freelance management as part of the human resources side of risk management in your company. Our guest today is going to be Jody McPherson. Jody spent 25 years in talent management, ed tech, and talent sourcing. She's a mentor to a lot of young women in the high school and college age and is a strong promoter and developer of Cultures of Curiosity. With that, Jody, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me, Larry. Very excited to be here.
0: So uh, when we when I first spoke to you and wanted to bring you on the show, there were a lot of things you were up to, but before we get to all of that, first tell us really about kind of what you're doing this moment and anything that you want to give from a background perspective.
1: Sure. Uh, well, I'm a parent of two teenagers, one in college and one about to go there, and uh, when we founded work simpler about 2 years ago our goal was to pay it forward and uh i was right in the thick of my own college students having to figure out their careers uh how to get paid work and of course covid you know so it really introduced me to some of the challenges and struggles that not only students but businesses and people face in general in the world of work and it um uh, it led me to do a lot of research while I I, uh, I was home over COVID, and also to really explore how I could pay it forward with some of my experience. I spent about 25 years in ed tech, at the intersection of the future of work, and I just I think there's a lot of things that could be made more visible to companies and people looking to change careers, and and there's some things and pitfalls to avoid, some risks, and then there's some opportunities that that people just don't know about. So I'm really excited to be on this journey and have an opportunity to, to really shape the future in a, in a positive culture and a culture that, uh, you know, we're not so dependent on, on a job, but we have more ownership because we have a deeper understanding of the process and methodology as we move forward.
0: Well, terrific. So if I know you and I know how busy you are, give us a little bit of insight of other things you're working on besides just this business.
1: Yeah, I do a lot of fractional uh, go-to-market work for companies. I help them organize and productize, and and refine market messages. I I also am uh, the the board president for my son CB Gridiron, um, not for profit. I enjoy that very much, and I do mentor both uh, young women as well as career changers, older career changers, and help them help them to really understand how to translate you know, the work and their experience in life to something that's meaningful. And then I have uh, two black labs. I play golf a lot whenever (laughs) I can, as long as it's warm in Colorado and I'm a big runner. So I run a lot of races at least six or seven a
0: year. Well, terrific. Terrific. Who has been the biggest source of your inspiration?
1: Um, you know, I, I would say, you know, my father played a role in that. He was in education for forty years, and he was a coach and a leader and a teacher. And he would sub. Um, he's passed away, but when he passed away, um, there must have been five or six thousand people there. And I just remember thinking, "Wow, what an impact this guy's had on the future lives of people." And uh, and he had that impact. He was a—I never took his classes. He was a good teacher, but he always just wanted to get the most out of people, and he wanted them to to have the tools to to advance and be in the right places. And so it wasn't so much about pure success. It was more about setting the individual person that he was working with up for success and building confidence. So, so I would have to say my dad.
0: Very good. Very good. So as we think about the topic for the day, freelance management and our audience, who is typically a business leader who is busy trying to run their business and across business types, uh, everything from retail to manufacturing to entertainment or uh, whatever it is. And they are needing of kind of in- incremental talent, uh, talent supplement or interns. I want to make sure we're approaching from helping them understand kind of better ways of doing. So, yeah. So with that, give us a bit of a level set on the types of business activities that can be done with interns kind of, on that fractional or even the micro fractional when it comes to uh, short-term projects and things like that for growing businesses?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing to bring visibility to for growing businesses is that this isn't um, uh, a new thing. Freelancing has been going on for 30 years. It's a over $600 billion industry. I think there are a lot of new entries into the market and opportunities to get matched and connected with talent. I think that's a good thing that's Emerge from COVID, um, I think from my standpoint, the, the freelance marketplace, it shifted from access to talent that you couldn't get access to, to an online world where it's saturated with talent. You know, there's a lot of people out there that can be connected and and from a business standpoint, whether you're a mature business looking from a strategic way on how to, how to maybe reduce headcount, but still get productivity or a growing business, not ready to add headcount, needing productivity. Um, there's some strategic ways to look at the work to be done and break it down, not just from a, a role that somebody's going to play, but actually the tasks that they're going to do. And you see a lot in skill of that and skills-based hiring. But what we found is great consistency across entry-level work, regardless of the industry. And also great consistency in industries of being hybrid or remote, right? Even things like construction, manufacturing. They have a need for in-person, but there are a great deal of things that can be organized and task-oriented that from an online and remote standpoint. So what I would say the freelance industry brought is talent. They brought talent to the table. And now the next step of freelancing in the future of work is aligning that talent with the tasks that need to be done. And maybe not for a full job description, but maybe things that need to be done that, that arguably change and shift the nature of job roles in a company to be more productive.
0: So in the conversations you and I've had, uh, there, there are a number of different roles that if I wake up in the middle of the night and have this great idea, can reach out and say, okay, I need somebody to do research for me and, mm-hmm. or I need somebody to do uh, some data management for me because I think there's a real opportunity, but I, I'm so busy doing my day to day. How do I execute on that?
1: Yeah. You know, it's it's a big challenge to, first off, just admit that, because I think that, that thought of, oh my gosh, there's this going on, brings up a lot of anxiety in people thinking about how do I hand it off? I might be just better off doing it myself. And part of the the challenge with the handoff and the way to think about it to to really become efficient at freelance management is to really think about the task at hand. Like, how would you break it down in online research? So as an example recently worked with someone who needed a competitive analysis. What they didn't need to do was go do all the organic online research or data scraping to get the information. So so we help them get that done. And there's a lot of freelancers that can do that, right? I can get the baseline of that done so that the person can spend their time on the analysis, not not the grunt work, scraping data, cleansing the data. And yet anybody who's in data analytics can will often tell you that 80% of the, the work is is getting the data freeing the data to do that. So, so I think when I think about what do I need done, I try to separate what are my, what are my outcomes and how do I break it down to the tasks associated with that? Um, It's a lot like fitness. People say they want to be fit. When you start to break it down, you have to say, you know, am I going to change my diet? Am I going to change my cardio? Am I going to change my weights? And you start to break it down into chunks that are manageable. And that helps bring visibility and what kind of help you need, how much time it's going to take, um, the kind of training somebody's going to need to get started versus just saying, I need to do a competitive research analysis project. That could mean a lot of things to different people, but arguably the tasks associated with that are probably similar.
0: Okay. So when someone is ready for the intern or this support, what makes a great experience, both for the hi- person hiring and for the intern?
1: I would say the number one thing is clarity. Um, When both sides have clarity, and on the business side, that has to do with the way they scope their work and break it down so that they are getting what they ask for and they understand the pieces of the puzzle, even though they're not putting the puzzle together yet. That clarity on that side from a business standpoint matched with the clarity for a student to understand or an intern to understand, here's exactly what I need to do and the timing with which I need to do it. Here's what success looks like. When that clarity is there, uh, people do good work on both sides and people achieve the goals that they're looking for. When the clarity is not is when the risk comes in for scope creep, budget creep, time creep. And they're almost impossible to to fix in an ongoing way because they just continue to add complexities to a process that really with clarity can be kind of an A to B process.
0: So from a top tip, Clarity is number one. Uh, number one for for both parties. Kind of what you what you want. Setting expectations. Yep. Okay. How much? I guess is there coaching needed along the way? Kind of what what makes for the ongoing? Because you're not, even if you have good clarity up front, it's not necessarily going to result in the back end yeah. being perfect. There's going to be some measuring points and kind of the dialogue. So kind of what makes that part work
1: yeah, I mean, that's the workflow. and uh, and and that workflow has to be driven by benchmarks, regular check-ins. Check-ins can be automated or personal. Combination we recommend is always good. But having a benchmark for the check-ins helps that clarity stay consistent through the process. And I think that's where where at least when I was freelancing and learning, I fell short in both care both areas. I didn't have great clarity. And then even when I did, I often didn't um, continue to document that clarity. And it didn't have to be an arduous task to document it, but it had to be consistent through the process because in an iterative way, things are much easier to solve than when they go too far astray, which we all know inherently, it's just executing upon that in any scope of work or any project is hard. So iterative uh, monitoring and iterative check-ins against a benchmark really keep us accountable to that initial clarity.
0: That's terrific. Because over the years, I've been really a big proponent of doing interns and having them come on and really accomplishing the EDs being, Mm -hmm. I accomplished, I, I developed, I implemented kind of these past tense things for their resume. It really Mm -hmm. becomes kind of where they have that gratification and not everybody does it that way. And we, I've seen kind of the goods and the bads. And that's how we learn to get the goods working. So, right. so is there when you're doing that expectation? Should there be a lot of different kind of punch list items for what we want them to do, so they feel always challenged to be able to grow outside of? Okay, I just want you to do A and B.
1: I don't think there need to be punch list items as much as there needs to be transparency in the communication process on both sides and the reflection of why is this good. And this can be done through documentation and with with the check-ins. Why is this good? Why do I need this? And what we find is when we add a little bit of the context and the why as a part of the check-ins, and we actually document that, that we're going to have this, how's it going, check-in, how's it going, and why are we doing this, ultimately really helps the end user stay motivated, understand that they're contributing to something bigger than just the tasks, but not get lost in the complexities of what's going to happen next. And the same is true for the, the business owner. Sometimes we get ahead of ourselves, you know? And so we try to keep it super simple, but introduce context and why through the iterative check-ins, because it motivates people. And then what happens on the the intern side is they start to see, oh, I this is really excellent work. I can put this on my resume and I can talk about it. Not just can I document it. I can talk about it. That's some interview prep. And from the um, the business hire, what's interesting is they start to think about other ways that they could strategically use and leverage interns or freelancers to get this kind of work done because they're not, the headache for them is not monitoring and making sure it's good. They're just kind of checking in, you know, at, at a point in time that's very manageable for them and not feeling like they have to reset every time they do an iterative check-in. So, so I find that simplicity trumps it's almost like the fundamentals of, of doing anything Well, there's three or four of those, get those really right and make sure you're, you're moving towards a larger goal that's shared and things seem to fall into place.
0: Great. Now, do you have some success stories that you've seen or kind of coached somebody through on the intern side and then on a company side as well, so, people yeah. can kind of get, can have a better expectation of what to look for and what to, what yeah, to I can give
1: for. you a couple. I, I'd love to share a success story I had. I hire students and I had a student work on our our deck, you know, our, our marketing collateral. He was very hand, hands on with Canva. Uh, I hired him to do about 10 to 20 hours a week for us. We set up regular meetings and I had very clear, you know, expectations. It was very straightforward and uh, he excelled uh, for the first two weeks. And then in the middle couple of weeks, uh, the struggle started, the scope creep started to happen even with us. And the difference was I started to recognize it and then started to interact with the the check-ins, um, with some context and why, but also really just getting back to the basics. And, uh, over a six week window that turned into a 12 week window, this young man created a, a piece of collateral for us that we've shared with shark tank EdTech Shark Tank. It's so good because he he started to understand his skill set in in Canva, his skill set in recognizing and communicating communicating well. He started to check in on his own without having to go to the iterations. He learned what success looks like, and he he made his milestones and deliverables. That was a great experience for me because I started to recognize that people get started gung ho and then sometimes they fall off. Right there's to your point. There's a lack of interest or motivation. And um, and that wasn't necessarily the case as much as it was just kind of the two week hiccup. So now that we know that, we have introduced some check ins in that two week hiccup to make sure people stay aligned. Um, as a business owner, uh, I you know I kind of had that same anxiety that others have in that two week hiccup, and uh, and that's going to happen on just about any project, whether someone's full time or not. And instead of kind of shutting down, I said, okay, how do we How do we reset to the basics and get our iterative check-ins really valuable? I had a company um, do a similar project with us and I told them about this process. So I cued them to anticipate when they're really gonna need to lean in. Meaning here are the iterative check-ins that are just check-ins. Here are the iterative ones where I need you to really be present and make sure that we're executing. And that also helped keep the clarity moving. Now that student, that person ended up hiring uh, full-time actually, to write blog posts for them, which is pretty exciting. He was a really good writer. But when any time subjectivity enters in, we just have to be cautious that that everybody's clear about it. So frustrations and anxiety, those emotions do not help us in work, uh, run high and that we can execute against the benchmarks that we set up.
0: Well, that's terrific. I thank you for going through that. So on the other side, there's pitfalls of hiring interns over reliance. Over uh, not be able to get the right talent to come in and do, can you kind of point out some of the things we should be doing to avoid those pitfalls?
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the things I think about is, is clarity of what the intern's going to do, you know, roles and responsibilities. I, I think a lot of times in internship programs, they are clear more often. They're not right. Somebody gets hired, they're going to help all sorts of things and just shadow them. Well, that that's not clarity on both parts. So I think I encourage anyone who's going to set up an internship program or hire to really understand and take the couple of hours it takes to just lay out. These are the these are the jobs and the tasks that I'm going to have them do. That saves everybody a lot of headache in the long run. I think the other piece with interns in particular is um, in the in the point of interviewing, understand communication styles. You know, say how we communicate. I like to communicate on email or text or a combination of both, I want regular check-ins, so that those expectations are also clear and and the interns are not off doing something or not checking in because they didn't realize the hiring manager wanted them to check in, right? So again, back to expectation management around the, the skills at hand. I think a lot of times, you know, we just think everything's gonna work that way. And the third recommendation I would make is around fit. You know, ultimately people have different styles I think for intern-level work, the skills are entry-level enough consistently across the board that that things can get done. But if the fit's not there and the communication expectations on both sides aren't there and the clarity is missing in the beginning, the risk is very high that they might get through the internship program, but you likely won't get the work done you need, nor will the intern have an experience that they can speak to.
0: Well, terrific. So I want to focus a little bit on your business for the moment uh from the perspective of your uh, r- relationship uh, and resources with the universities uh, from a sourcing perspective, uh, for someone that may wake up and say, hey do I need to call Jody and I need this particular talent can Jody help me kind of how do you work with your partners in the university areas and things like that
1: yeah, we have about 200 plus university partners and we work through their student and career services as well as their department chairs to advertise. There's no cost to the school. So we give them a, a playbook that they can use to advertise digitally in their um, Canvas classrooms on their site that suggests that students can go here. That this is a credible place to go get online work and uh, and. We also um, work with Handshake, which is a company that does a lot of uh, posting of jobs for students through career services. And then we work through student groups you know, and clubs, uh, government, Panhellenic, um, uh, athletic clubs, where you've got leadership. And particularly in those groups, those students have a lot of things going on. So they like to find work around their activities, not just their school activities, but their their other activities. So between those um three connection points, four connection points at the school. We have great visibility there. And right now we have access Mm -hmm. to about 5 million college students uh, through those 200 schools. And by the end of 24, we'll be up to a thousand schools. And we continue to sign partnerships with alliances um, to generate more interest and also more credibility for the work that students are going to do that they know they're not just going to get matched. They're going to get some micro training. They're going to get exposure to things that are resume worthy and, and beyond a livable wage.
0: So this is really not for kind of a startup that needs it, but also for even a larger company that they just have small projects that they Mm -hmm. need to do because otherwise they have to go through a long HR process to get somebody for a very short period of time. It sounds like you disintermediate a lot of that.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that the more we As we grow, we reach HR departments with that in mind to say, hey, if you've got people who need to get work done in a project capacity or recurring ongoing work, we can help. And we can help you get visibility into your future talent pipeline. And companies of all sizes, particularly small to mid-sized organizations of under 200 people, this is a great asset for them to find talent and also get things done. So we, we really believe that we can systematically help people think differently about their work. Uh, at any level. And we do work with some startups as well. You know, it's just people who understand they need to get work done. They have a a good idea of what that is, but they want that intermediary because what they can't handle is, is all the pieces that happen after they get matched to some talent or find a a talented person or people to do the work.
0: Now, do you have the students sign NDAs, non-disclosure agreements? So when they're sharing, getting shared information by the company, the company mm-hmm. feels protected.
1: Yeah, we have them sign NDAs. And then some companies are very uh, excited to work with students. And if that's the case, and they're creating assets, like in my case, when when the young man created um, a deck, I we allowed him to use that as part of his portfolio. So, so they sign NDAs, but there are companies that really want to bring visi- visibility to the fact that they're working with students. And they do allow students to comment, hey, I worked with, x or y and and that's a big asset for the student and the company also feels that they get something from that but the ndas around data are a must and uh and it's really uh the more we extend um into remote work the more uh, important that's going to be for any freelancer and anybody conducting work with a freelancer to sign an nda to protect themselves
0: terrific so when it comes to freelance management. Are there questions that I should have asked you that I haven't that you want to make sure that uh, our audience understands?
1: Uh there's just there's just a couple comments I would make on that. I jotted a few of these down. I think there are a lot of places to go for freelancing, and uh, and like I said, the market is is saturated. I really encourage people to a couple things. One is to know that, and if you can find a freelance group that caters to the things that you're looking for. So some people cater to, um high-end engineering talent. Some groups cater to low-end virtual assistants. Some cater to um, creative talent, creative and design talent. I would encourage you to really think about, is there a place that caters to the kind of talent you're looking for? One, because that will reduce the the volume of people you have to sift through to find. That's one big thing. Um, I would also encourage them to really understand the payment structure, meaning are you at the are you going to negotiate that payment rate with a freelancer, or are you, or are you negotiating with inter- an intermediary? And there's both. There's pros and cons to both, but I think knowing that helps somebody understand how to set a budget and what to what to expect with that budget. And I think the um, the last piece which didn't come up is is what what are the long term arrangements that you're making, and what is the out clause? You know, what happens if it's not working, and who owns your IP that you create? That's Those are big things. And uh, often we think, hey, someone just go do this. It doesn't work out. That happened to me a lot. And then I'm stuck. I've paid. I've got no recourse to go get it. As I said, I learned a lot the hard way. And so just understanding that doesn't have to be super formal, but what's the termination and who owns the IP? How are you getting that delivered to you so that even if somebody doesn't complete the work, you have what they've done to date. You own it. and uh, And that they... Only are allowed to take it with them and um, advertise that they've worked with you if you permit that. So those are just areas that I would suggest with people in freelancing to protect themselves.
0: Now we're moving on to the blind spot insider segment of the show. This is where our guests answer questions that have been submitted by our listeners. This allows the listeners to submit questions, get different insights, specifically to questions that they had that might not otherwise be covered in our episode. If you're not a blind spot insider, Please go and register at riskblindspots.com, plural, because we all have them, riskblindspots.com, to be able to submit questions for our guests, to listen to the responses, and to get exclusive content. So with that, here's our first question. Jody, thank you for the advice and insights that you've provided to our listeners, because as they have takeaways from this and- they are either in a growth business or in a larger company that wants to utilize uh, different kinds of uh, temporary help or freelancers This is going to come in real valuable for them. Uh, also we're going to have uh, the real good insights for the blind spot insiders that you've provided. So tell us where we can see, catch you online.
1: Uh, yeah, you can find me at www.worksimpler. W O R K S I M P L R. We skip the e. Uh, dot com, and of course on LinkedIn, uh, Jody Mac is my handle on everything Twitter, Facebook, and uh, Instagram. And I I do really try to drive people uh, to good good areas where they can find help in freelancing, which
0: which is the future of work. Thank you for tuning in and joining this What the Risk podcast, designed to be a safe space to learn about risk, how to think about risk, and how to expose business blind spots. This podcast is about empowering you as business leaders to reduce the stress of the unknown risks in your business, as well as the stress of decision-making by being able to identify and mitigate potential risks through the right level of due diligence. So here are three quick next steps that I need you to do. Hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to make sure you don't miss future episodes and give us a five-star rating. Share the podcast with a peer, Both of you will gain visibility to what you didn't know existed in the blind spots. And go to riskblindspots.com, that's plural because we all have them, riskblindspots.com to become a blind spot insider. You'll get exclusive advance notice of the next two episodes so you can submit questions, topics, and suggestions for our show. And tell us if we have any blind spots. Continue with us on this journey as we learn to ask the right questions, expose potential pitfalls, and turn those what the risk moments into I've got this victories.